Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Theological Education Day at Harvard Divinity School. We are delighted that we have uh, two groups of visitors that are coming together this morning. Uh, yesterday, we welcomed the 2015 Diversity and Exploration Program participants. If you all would raise your hand so those of us here can see who you are. Wonderful. And I know we have many visitors today who will be coming throughout the day, in fact, maybe even trickling in this very session, um, who are visiting just for the day, and that's really special. Some coming quite far from across the country, internationally. I know we have one visitor here from Brazil uh, and some people locally. So it's a really exciting day. Um, if you would raise your hand if you're here for Theological Education Day so we can see those. Oh, good, a lot of you, excellent. Um, you're in for a treat this morning. We're really glad you came because you'll get to hear from our dean, who I'll introduce when he arrives. But I want to take the time to uh, thank some folks before he arrives. Uh, it really is uh, both a labor of love and a community effort to open the house uh, for visitors. And it really, truly is our delight. So there are uh, different people I'd like to thank. Um, first of all, I'd love to thank our staff. Uh, many of you have met or know, and I'll ask them to stand up even though Irene was just talking. This is Irene Pack, our Associate Director of Admissions. And if you'd stand up, Sarah, this is Sarah Guzzi, our Assistant Director of Admissions. And you should also know that Sarah is a recent graduate of the Divinity School, so definitely uh, talk with her about that. Uh, back in the admissions office is William Budding, who some of you may have met or talked to on the phone or he answered one of your emails. Um, he's tethered to the desk right now, <laughs> but at some point, hopefully maybe over lunch, you'll get a chance to meet him as well. Uh, and then a host of other people. We even have a temporary staff person who's been quite helpful. You might meet Crystal. Um, I'd like to also welcome our Director of Religious and Spiritual Life, our Divinity School Chaplain, Carrie Maloney who is uh, <laughs> uh, near and dear to the students and a wonderful colleague. Um, I'd also like to thank our graduate assistants, who we couldn't do this without them. Uh, David Waters, who was our uh, student speaker last night at the DivX dinner. I'd like to also thank Keith Esposito and Lauren Owen. Both David and Keith are first year, are fir yeah, first year Master of Divinity students. So again, if you see them, please talk with them. They'll also know uh, both being a student and also working in the admissions office. And um, we can talk a little bit about that if we have a moment before the dean arrives. Lauren is a, uh, doing a field uh, education uh, program through the Harvard Graduate School of Education and working with Sarah. Um, we're, we're really lucky to have her in our office as well. And then there is literally <laughs> tons of volunteers and ambassadors uh, that Sarah coordinates for us. And these are students that generously give their time to do both you know, glorified task, and actually some that might seem unglorified, but they all really help us quite a bit. Um, I'd also like to thank members of the HDS community. Some of these people you might not meet while you're here, but I can guarantee you they've been so helpful to us and to the faculty. Uh, some of those are faculty assistants who make sure that the busy faculty who you'll meet today in classes, office hours, actually have their schedules together so they can take advantage of connecting with you while you're here. 
we certainly want to thank our faculty because uh, these are some of the most busy and accomplished folks that you will meet, not only uh, at Harvard Divinity School, but in their field and at Harvard University. So we're so delighted that they opened up classes to you, that they made themselves available for special office hours, and I hope you'll take advantage of that, so we'd like to thank them. And many of them are even having lunch, uh, hosting lunch tables, so please sit with them. Uh, we'd also like to thank just the, the Divinity School staff, not just the admissions staff, but our colleagues in student services and really all, all across the school. Uh, we also have denominational counselors who are not here every day, who have made a point to be here just today, again, to have lunch with you uh, and answer your questions. We also have visiting scholars who come to Harvard Divinity School, and you might send in on one of their classes or, or meet them. Uh, we have uh, visiting scholars through uh, the Women's uh, Study in Religion program, uh, and also through the Center for the Study of World Religions. And so you never know who you're talking to. Someone um, actually, one of our Div Xers had a very poignant talk yesterday in introducing herself, um, if Rita's here, and she said, you never know who you're sitting next to, so I would reiterate that. Um, and lastly, and certainly, well, two more to thank, because our dean has arrived. Um, we want to thank facility and operations, because it is a massive operation to get uh, our school ready for a large number of visitors. And last but not least, we'd like to thank the dean's staff, um, who's been so helpful to us. Uh, so now I will turn it over to the dean, but I want to tell you a little bit about him uh, before he speaks. Uh, David Hempton is the Dean of the Faculty of Divinity, as well as the Alonzo L. McDonald Family Professor of Evangelical Theological Studies. I'm gonna pause just a minute, because we have, I want everyone to hear the introduction for the Dean, so I'm going to pause so we can let everyone get situated. Just to let you all know, we, we, we were alerted very recently that there was some construction on Francis Avenue, which is the street that runs right out in front here. Uh, so we, we anticipated we might have some people coming a little bit later because of that delay. Um, I should have introduced myself, I realize. I'm Angela Counts. I'm the director of admissions. Um, and I'm, I'm the new director of admissions. And I say that because um, it is, for me, an even special delight to be here because I started in August and joined our team, which is also a fairly new team. We've all been here at different points in different ways. Um, I should say I also used to work at the Divinity School many years ago, left to go back to school, and now I'm back. So we each have a different perspective uh, in the admissions office of how we came here. But now, the person of the hour who, again, we're so delighted to have here is David Hempton. He is the Dean of the Faculty of Divinity, the Alonzo L. McDonald Family Professor of Evangelical Theological Studies, and John Lord O'Brien Professor of Divinity. Before joining the Faculty of Divinity in 2007, Dean Hempton was University Professor and Professor of the History of Christianity at Boston University. And prior to that appointment, he was Professor of Modern History and Director of the School of History in Queens University, Belfast. He is a social historian of religion with particular expertise in populist traditions of evangelicalism in Europe, North America, and beyond. Dean Hempton has research and teaching interests in religion and political culture, 
religious identities and ethnic conflicts, as well as the interdisciplinary study of lived religion, the history and theology of evangelical Protestantism and Pentecostalism, the global history of Christianity since 1500 and religious disenchantment and secularization. He was chosen as Boston University's scholar and teacher of the year in 2004 and Harvard Divinity School's outstanding teacher of the year in 2008. And I must say on a personal note, he is also a generous scholar. Um, we used to be neighbors in Divinity Hall uh, and I just have a briefly share a fond memory of discussing one of his books that he was just then completing. And we discussed the author, James Baldwin. And when I expressed interest, Professor Hempton at that time, uh, offered me a PDF copy of that chapter of his book that had yet to be published. So that was a real treat. So it is with a sincere pleasure I introduce to you Dean Hempton. Thanks very much, Angela. Welcome, everyone. Great to see you. Wow, what a full house. Um, so I am uh, David Hempton, Dean of the Divinity School. Um, and thanks for your interest in coming here on this beautiful morning. The sun always shines over the Divinity School. Uh, sometimes it rains and snows in Boston, but never here. <laughs> never here. Um, <clears throat> so thanks for coming, making the effort to visit with us and to find out more about who we are and how we can help you fulfill uh, your aspirations. Um, I encourage you to make the best possible use of the time you have with us today, and panel presentations, uh, conversations with faculty, staff, and students. These are great resources to get to know us better and find out more about our programs. Um, you will hear from faculty about the degree programs and from students and administrators about student life and services available at HDS to support our students. And you'll have the opportunity to meet with faculty over lunch to pose more direct questions. And I also will be hosting a lunch table, so if there are any questions that you don't get to ask uh, this morning, please come and um, buttonhole me there. This afternoon, you'll be able to visit the Center for the Study of World Religions across the street, uh, which is one of the great pioneering institutions in American intellectual life. It really was the uh, first great center for the study of world religions in the United States and has, um, has now passed 50 years of, of existence. Um, so, um, and then you'll have an opportunity to meet with uh, directors of admissions and, um, and the vital financial aid um, uh, and speak about our uh, application deadlines and the huge amounts of money we're just waiting to give you uh, to come here. So in the short time we have, I'd like to highlight some of the things I believe makes uh, HDS a unique and special place um, uh, and why Harvard and why Harvard Divinity School um, as you think about your uh, options and choices. First, I'd like to say just something very brief about the route that brought me here. Um, uh, when I was about to go to graduate school back in the 1970s, um, yeah, I, I know, it is a sad thing to say, <laughs> but, but it's true. Um, <clears throat> it's very unfortunately true. Anyway, when I was sitting roughly where you're sitting, um, I was applying from my undergraduate college, uh, Queen's University in Belfast in Northern Ireland, 
Um, during my undergraduate days there, from 70 to 74, um, uh, over a thousand people were killed in violent incidents in that city and its hinterland. <clears throat> so it was a mean and violent city in those days. Um, trying to understand the roots of that conflict is really what engaged me as a historian of religion and especially as a historian of religion and political uh, and uh, ethnic conflict. Over the years, I became especially interested in the conditions that produce civil conflicts uh, in particular. Uh, what are the forces and structural problems that produce such terrible situations in our world? I looked at the English Civil Wars in the 17th century, the American Civil War in the 19th century, the Irish and Spanish Civil Wars in the 20th century. And what they all have in common is a set of structural inequalities, injustices, and unresolved conflicts over time, which erode the capacity for creative solutions and then slide inexorably into serious levels of violence. And once that, <clears throat> once that slide starts, it's extremely difficult to stop. <clears throat> and once it happens, it takes generations to repair. <clears throat> Something quite similar is happening in many countries in the Middle East. Um, and I would say that in our 21st century's rise to globalism, there is a sense that all our future conflicts are really civil wars for the human family as we compete over resources and territory and influence and so on. <clears throat> so I came to HDS in 2007 and was appointed uh, Dean of the Divinity School three years ago. Soon after I became Dean, partly drawing on my experiences, I gave our annual convocation address on the subject, the fog of religious conflict. I was surprised about how much of a chord it struck within our community and beyond. Last year, we established the Religions and Practice of Peace initiative at Harvard, and we reached out to scholars um, uh, and activists um, and students right across Harvard and greater Boston. We're now in our second year with an active website, check it out, a regular evening colloquium, new courses, plans for a newly endowed chair in this area, and connections with many sister programs and movements throughout the United States and beyond. So that's how I got here, and that's um, some of what we are doing here. How about you? What might HDS be able to offer you along the way? So here are 10 reasons why you might want to consider uh, joining us. Um, um, so this will go on for a few hours, but I've <laughs> <clears throat> got nothing else to do. Um, um, so 10 brief reasons. Um, the first is why not? Um, uh, you would be coming to a great school in a great university. Um, I uh, got to know a previous dean of the School of Public Health very well, and he was fond of saying this, that the School of Public Health was a great school, but what made it a really great school was that it was in a great university. And I think that's true of the Divinity School too. It is a great school, but what makes it a really great school is that it's in a great university. So second, Harvard is America's oldest university um, and one of the great universities in the world. It is an extraordinary place to be. It really is an extraordinary place. So the Divinity School not only has its own rich history and traditions, but we're situated in a university city of 10 schools um, and a major research institute. There is always something amazing going on here, somewhere on campus every day. 
We are also members of the Boston Theological Institute, the BTI, which opens up another feast of opportunities for courses, conversations, and collaborations. Um, so there's probably no richer density of availability of courses on religion and theological studies than there is in this greater Boston area, both through Harvard and through the other schools in the BTI. We are very much part of President Drew Faust's One Harvard Vision <clears throat> and are busily developing connections <clears throat> with other parts of Harvard. May I just have some of this water? Yeah, thanks very much. <clears throat> So our, <clears throat> our alums pay tribute to the scale of opportunity we have here to take courses throughout Harvard. That's one of the real payoffs about coming to a divinity school in a major university rather than a standalone seminary. And just the um, uh, options available just multiply hugely. Um, I mean, for example, um, uh, through the Al-Walid program at Harvard more generally, there are now over 100 courses in Islamic studies being offered at Harvard. Um, and you could repeat those kind of statistics for uh, other major world religious traditions. It's just a phenomenal <coughs> uh, reservoir of talent and faculty strength. So that's the second. <clears throat> Third, you will have access to one of the world's great library systems. 70 libraries and 17, 17 million volumes <clears throat> and counting. You'll never get through them all. <clears throat> it's a most remarkable resource for teachers and students alike. Um, come and take advantage of a cutting edge research library in religious studies and theological studies. <clears throat> and don't underestimate the importance of doing academic work with instant availability of the books and sources you need to work at the highest level. I can say as a scholar teacher, it is one of the great joys about being at Harvard. Whatever you need, you can get. <clears throat> uh, you don't have to travel for it. <clears throat> They're just available on site uh, through a really uh, world-class library system. It is the best university library system in, uh, in the world. Fourth, <clears throat> you will come to an already diverse and eclectic place probably the most di diverse divinity school in the nation, and we would love it to be even more diverse. Come and add to that diversity and leave your own mark at HDS. You will come to a place that takes religious pluralism seriously in a world that really needs it. We're in a fortunate position to have at least three distinguished faculty members with expertise in five of the world's great religious traditions, uh, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and Judaism. We also have scholars working on indigenous religious traditions in Latin America, Cuba, Australia, and West Africa, and increasing expertise on native traditions in North America as well. America's um, world-famous religious pluralism project was started at Harvard uh, under the leadership of my colleague, Dana Eck, <clears throat> and continues to thrive here. It's celebrating its 25th anniversary next year, so you'll be here for the party. <clears throat> Fifth, you will come to a place with a distinguished faculty who are at the forefront of their subjects and disciplines. We're also expanding our faculty uh, year by year, so we're growing in strength in terms of uh, attracting people to come here. <clears throat> uh, and in addition, every year we also have exciting visiting professors from all over the United States and the wider world. 
uh, who come to HDS to teach and to do their research. Each year we also host five leading women scholars who come to year-long fellowships um, in the Women's Studies and Religion program, and they also offer courses, so it's a great um, additional um, uh, benefit <coughs> uh, to come and, um, and take those courses from leading uh, scholars in the field of women's studies and religion. <coughs> Sixth, <coughs> we endeavor to be a school that speaks to important issues about the role of religion in the United States and the wider world. I've already mentioned the Religions and Practice of Peace initiative, um, which is really off to a great start this year. But there are also others. <coughs> we have our religious literacy program, um, which is now beginning to work on religion and the professions. We have a, a science, religion, and culture program, um, a racial justice and healing initiative that was started and is now run by the students themselves. Um, um, and just a new program on palliative care and end-of-life issues and a partnership with the um, Harvard Medical School. So one of the nice things is being able to partner with some of these other schools, and soon we'll be hiring a professor in religion and business ethics <coughs> as to enhance our connections with the business school. And so it goes on. The, the person who runs the conflict and negotiation program at the Harvard Law School is is really one of the great supporters of the Religions and Practice of Peace initiative. So these are the connections that we are able to make. <clears throat> Seventh, <clears throat> whatever the program you choose, we have a very strong record of placing students, <clears throat> whether in field education programs in the United States, which is a great um, boon to our um, uh, work here, or in top doctoral programs, or in full-time employment. So there's a good, strong record of um, uh, at the end of your studies here of finding a place of fulfilling uh, work in, in ministry, education, NGOs, uh, public service, and many other fields. Eighth, um, HDS has a vigorous alumni network. Check out videos online, almost 100 of them now, in which former alums talk about their time at HDS. <clears throat> That's a great opportunity to see um, some of our distinguished alums and uh, have a sense of the range of, of careers they've uh, gone into, but also a sense of what they thought they really learned here, um, uh, which sometimes is um, obvious and sometimes is quite indefinable of what it is to be in a community like this for two or three years. Ninth, we are about to celebrate our bicentennial in the academic year 2016-17, so we'll be 200 years old. Um, and the theme of our celebration is diversity and inclusion. Um, we are the oldest non-denominational and non-sectarian divinity school in the United States. And throughout those 200 years, there have been these markers of increasing diversity and inclusion and along the way. We still have work to do in these areas, but this is what we have set our gaze on. <clears throat> so next year, we will have a remarkable set of events, exhibitions, parties, and gatherings of all kinds. So let's be honest, we're not really a party school here. That's <clears throat> uh, true. Um, but the next academic year is as close as we're ever likely to get to be a party school. <clears throat> so this is your chance. It's a one and only. Um, so there are some really great events planned 
and it is going to be a year of celebration. So it is the year to be at Harvard Divinity School. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, you would be coming to a school with a thriving intellectual culture, um, thoughtful faculty mentoring, and a commitment to high-level service. We have a very favorable faculty-student ratio of around six to one, which means that you will get a lot of individual attention, and most of your class sizes will be small and manageable. Um, so um, it'll be a uh, I think a more personal experience than many of you uh, perhaps have been accustomed to, though some of you may have come from institutions with already uh, very good mentoring uh, programs. So for those 10 reasons, I sincerely hope you do decide to apply to us. Um, we would love to have you bring your unique and special gifts to HDS and further enrich uh, what is a very special community. Um, uh, you know, I, I think my favorite events are both meeting with students who are coming in and, um, and also enjoying speaking with students who, who leave us going into exciting areas in the world. Um, it's a community that's constantly renewed and re-energized. Um, so um, please come and help us do that. So I think we have time for <coughs> a few questions. Um, um, okay, so... Um, um, do you want people to wait <coughs> for a microphone? <coughs> okay, so, um, so please uh, uh, just raise your hand and someone will race to you with a mic and the world will hear. <coughs> I know my presentation was impeccably clear, but, <laughs> but surely not that clear, yeah. Hello. Um, Hello. You mentioned um, before, I was gonna ask you later at the sit down, about the palliative care. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do I go about learning more about that and getting more information about how to research it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's actually just started uh, this year. Um, so we've uh, appointed um, uh, really a wonderful alum of ours and also a great Boston figure and, um, uh, who's pastor of one of the historically black churches in Boston, Gloria White Hammond. Um, uh, she's an extraordinary woman who did, uh, after coming to HDS, uh, uh, she's a pediatrician as well as um, uh, trained in religion. <clears throat> helped found a school in Sudan for, the, uh, for teaching uh, girls and young women, um, and is now um, set out on this uh, uh, program. So at the moment, um, it's still um, uh, you know, getting into cruise altitude, so um, a, a course is being put on jointly between the medical school and, and, and ourselves. So the person to contact is Gloria White Hammond. We can easily give you an email address and, and, and put you in contact with her and she can explain what the next couple of years in that program will hold. But she is, a, I think you will not forget meeting her. She is a, 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 a really outstanding person um, and someone who believes um, uh, passionately in, in this issue and has real medical training as well as um, serious religious training. Thank you. My name is Denzel from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I had a question about the non-traditional placements after HDS. Um, like for someone like me who's interested in like getting a, <coughs> excuse me, like a JD, um, how is that? You talked about like 
maintaining and developing relationships with the other yeah. um, institutions here. Um, so can you talk a bit about how those de um, relationships are developed? Yeah, point? sure. Um, <clears throat> so we don't have any, um, um, and some people might be able to help with this if I get it wrong, but we don't have any joint degree programs. Um, but we do have um, uh, concurrent uh, degree programs. So we do have students, for example, who do um, uh, an MTS with us and a, and a master's in public policy and MPP with the Kennedy School. And how that works is that, you know, what would be a four-year double master's is scaled down to three years. Um, and, um, uh, and, you know, then we work with you to put together a, a curriculum that um, bridges the two schools. Something similar happens with the law school. Not a lot of students do this, but some do. Um, who do a JD at the same time, uh, which I think is then four years as opposed to five. Um, and, um, uh, and then again, there's a, you know, we, we work on um, trying to integrate as best we can what those uh, uh, two programs look like. So it wouldn't be a joint program, um, um, but you can, uh, uh, even in your MTS or MDiv, you can take courses in the law school, and there are experts on law and religion in that school. Um, some terrific people, actually, who work in that area, both around First Amendment issues, but also um, in world religious traditions. They've got some great scholarship in Islamic legal traditions, for example, there and, and others. So, um, so that's generally how it uh, plays out. Um, so. Um, it is, my understanding is that you've got to be admitted to both schools, right? So um, you would have to uh, do some um, preparatory work and thinking about that. And then once you get here, you can start investigating, right? I mean, it's still possible to engage in those programs, um, you know, once you get here and do a little bit of um, sleuthing around the other school that you might like to go to. So it effectively cuts a year out of a, what would be the joint, if you were doing the two degrees separately. Uh, is that accurate? Great, thank you. So that was actually very much my question because I'm applying to both programs, uh, but the H MTS uh, is due in January, the application, and the Kennedy Center is due on December 1st. So my question is, um, how best do the uh, relationship on the admission side work in how much should I discuss that I'm applying to both in my application and how should I, how should I communicate that? Yeah, that's a great question. Angela, do you have a sense of that, a better sense? Do you want to come and help me? Um. That's a great question. Um, I would say definitely um, talk to the other school how they would like to see it. I think we would be interested in knowing that you, that is your ultimate goal, even if, for example, not to say anything negative, but let's say you didn't get any other school, but you got into our program and wanted to try again, we still understand that that's your long-term goal to pull those two strands together. So it, I think it would be appropriate, but I think you would have to spend the bulk of the statement, though, talking about what, why HDS. Thank you. So I've just had one question here. So could oh, sorry. <laughs> Could you share uh, some of your thoughts on, uh, you know, what are those challenges which uh, uh, which we faced from a theological perspective of adoption of uh, students coming into this field over a period of time, how that is changing, how do you see in future, how would that look like? Because the mainstream world 
kind of is on a parallel tangent if i may i mean don't want to just uh, you know but then it's 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 a word of its own in a way how do you see the theological studies going forward question um so maybe a good way to start answering that question would be there was a recent um uh, pew research survey on um religious changes between um 2000 and 2050 so what what will the world look like in 2050 um which i think is getting close to where your question you know what what, what is that world going to look like and how can we meet those challenges so what the world is going to look like is that um, um, uh, two major world religious traditions will keep on growing, um, uh, Christianity and Islam, and will almost be, uh, have equal numbers. They will be growing fastest in um, Africa, South Asia, and Southeast Asia, which have uh, all places have higher birth rates. Um, there will be some countries which are, which are either, which are predominantly Christian now, which will be predominantly Muslim by 2050. Um, um, in the northern hemisphere and looking west, the big transitions in United States and Europe are the growth, the growth of the nuns, the non-affiliated uh, people with no religious affiliation to a tradition, but may have <coughs> um, uh, interest in spirituality or in some kind of um, uh, uh, spiritual expression which does not line up with an institution. Those numbers are growing quite quickly in the United States and Europe. So the world in 2050, um, um, uh, Western Europe and the United States will be less Christian, more pluralistic, and have more nuns, non-affiliated. And the rest of the world will have um, um, very, uh, will have higher proportions of uh, people adhering to uh, some of the world's great religious traditions. So that's a potentially unstable compound. Um, you have powerful um, uh, Euro-American Western uh, civilizations that will be becoming less um, attached to traditional religious institutions. Um, but will have, of course, a great, will be wielding a great deal of power over world affairs in areas where they have uh, less knowledge of, of, of those traditions. So I see one of the really vital things for an institution like ours is how we prepare for that world, how do we manage our diversity uh, in religion, how can we, um, in a laboratory like this one, um, where we have over 30 religious traditions represented among our students. How can we figure out ways of living together um, in ways that uh, we can be, uh, give full expression to our faith traditions? Uh, so uh, uh, no one's advocating a kind of lowest common denominator, vacuous nothingness. Um, <clears throat> um, so how can we uh, uh, come together in a place like this and figure out ways of um, increasing dialogue, increasing um, uh, not just toleration, but um, warm embrace of the diversity, uh, uh, not just a negative lack of conflict, but something a great deal more positive than that, because that's what the world is going to need in, um, uh, over the next 20, 30 years. 
Um, so that's one big area I, I think that we need to be thinking hard about. I think there are many others, you know, how we relate to science and culture, how we deal with climate change, competition over resources, ecological crises, <clears throat> how we um, deal with the still appalling statistics about um, violence against women in the world um, and discrimination against women and, um, and um, unofficial slave trades and so on and so on. <clears throat> so there's a lot of tough things going on out there. Um, and this is a place, I think, where we're, we're trying to ask the religion and questions. Religion and um, health and dying, or religion and peacemaking, or religion and, um, and, and so on. So I think that's some of what we're, what we're trying to do. And those are some of the issues, I think, that are going to be in the, the top of your generation's agenda. Uh, this is what the world is going to be looking like. Thank you. Yep. Oh, there's, there's one here and then one there, yeah. So maybe just take this question first and then you're, yeah. Hi, um, I'm Jack. I was wondering, something that's really important to me is um, closing the gap between theory and practice, communities, and academia. And I, it's clear that HDS is very diverse. I was wondering if you feel like the school is engaged with the communities in Boston, um, or if I think it's really cool how it's engaged with the other schools at Harvard, but if you feel like in what ways it's engaged with Boston? Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, a couple of things I might uh, say. One is that um, we do have a very fine field education program, so we do have good records of placement uh, of students and in various um, <clears throat> ministry and social enterprises in the greater Boston area. Um, it's something we're trying harder to, um, I, I mean, uh, this is something that um, uh, uh, takes a good deal of purposeful work because Harvard is an elite institution, which is easy to get separated out from the world around. Um, that's one reason why we've, um, in the Religions and Practice of Peace Initiative, we're really bringing in practitioners um, as well as um, academic experts on, on, on conflicts. Um, so this year already we've had the person who runs the religion program in the United States Institute of Peace. Um, that would be true in also this initiative with the, um, um, the medical school and partnering with some of the historically black churches around palliative care issues. There are many other um, uh, uh, avenues available for service. Sometimes our students uh, actually unearth them themselves uh, and, and figure out ways of being involved in all kinds of, you know, whether it's outdoor church or um, in some kind of community service or some kind of more professional link up with hospitals through chaplaincies or whatever it might happen to be. But we certainly want to cultivate those relations with a wider community. We, I, th I think. Um, I think it gets harder and harder to justify um, academic institutions as ivory towers. The world is just too um, uh, needy and conflicted uh, for us just to separate ourselves off from it. Um, um, so there may be, I, I mean, other people may be able to give better answers to that question as you uh, move through the day, but um, that's my stab at it, so thank you. So there's one here. Yeah, thanks. Um, on the diversity issue, 
what percentage of your, your of the student body is actually made up of second actors? Those of us who have had a really fulfilling, successful first career yeah. are coming back now. Um, graduated a little later than the 70s, but um, right. <laughs> coming back now to start a second career, maybe on a transcendental path. Yeah. It's a relatively small student body, so I'm just curious what that percentage is. Yeah. I don't know that percentage. I mean, I know the percentages of um, uh, all other ways of cutting are, are you know, in, in terms of women, men, um, uh, ethnic, racial, minorities, international students, um, and degree programs. But I'm not aware we have <coughs> any statistics around age and second careers, do we have? We, we generally, uh, we generally <coughs> And I'm new to the position, but I've been looking at statistics a lot lately. Yeah. And my sense is that we're so diverse, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of demographics and age is one of them, but we're also a small school. So I think we, we have very healthy numbers of applicants from uh, mid-career, maybe that's what we call it, mid-career students. It, the yield fluctuates from year to year. Um, so as a new director of admissions, I've been hearing people say they'd like to see more mid-career students, and I think we have to work a little more on the yield, because I think across the applicant pool, the range is very healthy. Um, and so, and traditionally, HDS has had a lot of those students. Um, so that, I can't give you an exact percentage, but we certainly have them here. Uh, but I wouldn't say they're probably the dominant age group. Um, we're, we're, our average age is around 27, I yeah. think, yeah. We also yeah. have a good <coughs> panel of mid-career folks happening, and I guess it would be interesting to that. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Thank you. Hi, um, my name's Ayo Oduduro. I'm um, out of uh, New Orleans. I was wondering about the PhD program. Could you talk a little bit about the, the PhD degree and um, the relationship with the graduate school? And the relationship with the graduate school? To get back to the microphone. <clears throat> yeah, so there's been a major change in that over the past um, uh, two or three years. Um, uh, when I came to HDS, we had a THD and a PhD. The THD was run out of here, <clears throat> and the PhD was administered by the Committee in the Study of Religion at Harvard. Um, <clears throat> we merged those programs uh, into a unified PhD. So um, that program is administered by the Committee in the Study of Religion. Um, the great majority of people on that committee are HDS faculty. Um, so depending on your subject of interest, the chances are your supervision and uh, doctoral committees will come um, most likely from scholars in HDS. <clears throat> but because it's administered by the committee, which is an interfaculty committee, um, there are also uh, tremendous resources throughout wider Harvard um, in American studies and literature and history, um, a whole range of things, uh, area studies. Um, so we generally admit around 15 or 16 students to that program. So it's a, it is actually, in terms of ratio of um, successful applications <clears throat> to enrollment, it's the most competitive of our programs. It's a very, uh, you know, it, it's a, um, a lot of people apply and <clears throat> uh, 15 or 16 slots is, is relatively modest. Um, so, um, but we feel that those numbers are about right um, in terms of the job market and employment prospects. I mean, we're very keen to make sure that we're not 
taking people along a lengthy um, doctoral degree route only to leave them at the end of the day un unemployed. Um, so it's a very, um, it is a very competitive doctoral program with a great record, certainly the area that I know best, which is <clears throat> American religious history. We have a tremendous record of placing those students in um, higher education in the United States. I'd say Harvard and Chicago together are the two <clears throat> most successful <clears throat> excuse me, um, institutions at doing that. Um, so, um, so basically, um, um, it would depend on your area of interest um, and then an application. And then there's a fairly <clears throat> you know, clear step-by-step um, -step <clears throat> coursework in your first couple of years, <clears throat> uh, working on your prospectus, <clears throat> and then the writing phase. And during which you get um, fellowships to help you complete your PhD, um, and also teaching opportunities um, to get you really well prepared. So it's a good program. It's a competitive program. But because it's of the, we have a, um, you know almost a hundred scholars at Harvard with uh, specialism in religion. So depending on what area you want to come and do doctoral work on, you, you, the chances are you're going to be working with some really very talented people. Yes, um, I heard you mention the uh, initiative to connect with the business school. Yeah. Um, and although there isn't um, a great emphasis on practical ministry at HDS opposed to um, the academic study of religion. What exactly are you wanting to accomplish by connecting with the business school? That's a great question. Um, money, of course. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <coughs> um, uh, yeah, go, 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 go walk around their campus. Um, uh, um, <coughs> Uh, well, the business school is a wonderful um, school with a really fine dean, Nitin Nuria, uh, who is very keen to work on issues of um, uh, the relationship of business to uh, social responsibility around sustainability, ethics, and so on. So when, we, um, when a, a donor uh, came to us to um, uh, uh, begin talking with us about a, ch a chair in religion and business ethics, um, those conversations involved the dean of the business school, who was very enthusiastic about it. Um, so we really want to get that appointment made, and um, um, it, it'll take a little bit of time, but that will be, I think, a real conduit. At the minute, there are other initiatives. Um, uh, I, I hosted a dinner last year for uh, business school professors and students, meeting our professors and students who then, for a year, met regularly for dinner to discuss the kind of issues you would imagine you would discuss around economics, prosperity, social inequality, social justice and business, sustainable business and ecology, and all of those kind of questions. <clears throat> so there's a, um, I, I, I think there's a real strong sense around the university and the, and the business school in particular, um, where there's a lot of student religious groups meet on that campus. Um, and a lot of their faculty are really interested in these kinds of issues. You can read their books and, you know, I mean, people like Clay Christensen and others. Um, so it, it's, a, it's an example, I think, where we, it's a, one of those religion and questions. Uh, what does it mean to, um, to, for business leaders to be religiously literate? Uh, how do you do business in a world which uh, takes religion seriously? 
And how do you do business in a world where the temptations to cut corners are everywhere? Uh, so what are the ethical standards, um, especially in the light of the, um, <clears throat> in, of the crash in 2008, um, where uh, I think we all know uh, it was a very tough uh, couple of years for that whole sector. Um, so those are some of the things that we're doing. It's a kind of work in progress. Um, and a lot of it is bubbling up from below as well as from on top because I think deans can't make this happen. I think students can make it happen and faculty can make it happen um, and that's where we're at with it at the moment. Um, there was one other person at their hand. Have we time just for one very quick one? Really? Yeah. yeah, so the woman at the back. Yeah, this is your chance. So there will be an opportunity, won't there, later? Yeah, I, I, I think there will be a session devoted to that, which will give you better answers than I will give you now. So, And Laura Tuak, who is actually the assistant director um, for that particular area, will be having lunch. So just make sure you plug in with her. Yeah, so that's the best way. I, I, th I think we probably have to call it yeah, quits because yeah, we need to get you. I'll, come and see me at lunch. Yes. I'll, I'll be there, and we can have a conversation. Look, thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Yeah, thank you.